Hello, Crossroads and guests. This is Pastor Lee. We're so glad that you've tuned in to our podcast today. I want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out my blog at pastorlee.org, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope the message today inspires and encourages you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. Now, Pastor Jamie said uh, that the buckets out there were not for the most handsome. That is true. It is for the most color-coordinated, which would be the same bucket. So... Uh, if you don't remember what we're talking about, it's the the sermon in the bag. The kids bring a brown bag with something in it. We don't know what's in it. We pull it out. We have to do a sermon, a 60-second sermon. So uh, it's always fun. To, and what we've been doing is kind of drawn randomly. Now you get a chance to pick. And uh, so I just want to remind you, if you love Jesus, you won't pick me. <clears throat> All right, because uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, we're going to continue in the book of Romans. Y'all turn to uh, Romans chapter 3. Want to continue there, and uh, and as you turn there, I just kind of want to remind you a little bit of what we did last week, and uh, we started the Book of Romans. This is a different thing. We not something that I normally do, but we're trying to give you a whole overview of the entire book of Romans. Last week we talked about the first couple of chapters, and uh, and if you remember last week we talked about how God reveals Himself. God reveals Himself first through nature. And then he revealed himself through the law, and then through Jesus Christ himself. Now, salvation comes in my response to his revelation. Salvation comes in my response to his revelation. Now, that's important for us to understand because there's a lot of people who will call out the name God, but they are responding to him as if he is a totally different God than what the Bible says. For, for example, whenever, whenever you have sinned, anyone ever sinned? Anyone? Better raise your hand. I'll do a sermon on lying right now. All right. <clears throat> if you have ever sinned and then you feel like, I can't go to church. I, f- I feel too guilty. I'm afraid God won't like me anymore. I- I'm afraid of what God thinks of me. If, if that is your mentality, then you are missing the character of the God in Scripture. Because of God in the Bible, he says that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. Amen? He teaches us to forgive 70 times 7. How much more does he forgive? If we understand the God of the Bible, when he died on the cross, that covered all of our sins. Amen? And so whenever I sin, if I let guilt separate me from God or I let shame separate me from God, then I am not responding to him as he has revealed himself to me because he revealed himself to me as a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love, ready to forgive. Amen? If I respond to God like that, I might as well be uh, part of Islam. Because in Islam, their God, Allah, is a very angry, judgmental God. And whenever you mess up, they, they are in fear of their God. And so in, in the Old Testament, it says, fear the Lord, but it's talking about be reverent to the Lord. It's not, we should never be afraid of God, even when we have sinned. And, and so salvation, my salvation, my faith in Jesus Christ is responding to him according to his revelation to me. If I respond to him as if he is somebody other than what the scripture has said that he is, then I'm off. 
and I, and I can do anything. I, I can claim to, to worship God, and in my claim of worshiping God, I can respond to God as if he is uh, just any other person. I can respond to him like he's some kind of genie, and I pray and say, Lord, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. And if he doesn't give it to me and I'm upset, I'm not responding to the God of the Scripture. I'm responding to some genie in a bottle, calling him God. And so salvation is my response to his revelation of who he says he is. Amen? And so that's what we talked about last week. Now I'm going to get into this week. Let's read in chapter 3, Romans. The Apostle Paul writing. He says, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, all the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Would their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. God be true and every human be a liar as it is written so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say then? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using the human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness, and so increases his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result, their condemnation is just. Now we got to understand when when the Apostle Paul is talking here, he has just revealed that salvation does not come by works, it doesn't come through religion, it doesn't come through anything we do, it comes by faith and faith alone. Everybody say amen to that. Salvation is by faith because there is no other way. You can't be good enough. You can't earn it. You can't go to church enough. You can't know the Bible well enough. It's by faith in Jesus Christ, in him alone. Amen? But the scripture said, and and we didn't read it today, but in chapter 2, it said you're not saved by works. You're not saved by the written code. You're not saved because you do everything right, but you're saved by the Spirit. Everybody say, by the Spirit. And so it's by the Holy Spirit. So now he's saying, if, if we're saved by the Holy Spirit, then, then what value does religion have? What value? In, in fact, in that day, there were some people arguing, saying, well, when I sin and God forgives me, doesn't that show how great he is? So I'll just sin some more so everybody can see how great he is. And he said, that's foolish. And so what, what he's trying to tell us here is, is even though we are saved by faith, what, what then is the reason for religion? What is the reason for coming to church? What is the reason? And for the Jews, it was circumcision. What is the purpose of that? What does it matter? What does it matter if you come to church? Have you ever got here in the morning and thought, why am I here today, right? <laughs> what is the purpose of this? I, I remember when I was younger and I was trying to find a wife, then church was a place to find a wife. And when I couldn't find one there, I brought one to church. I thought, well, maybe this will help her realize that I'm great. And, uh, and so I used church. Well, what, what is the per- Why do we do all this singing? I mean, if, of all the stuff that we do, we might understand why we get into the Bible, but uh, sometimes we get here and we think, well, we're singing too long, or we don't sing enough, or I don't like that song, or this song. Why don't we do this? Why don't we shake hands? I don't even like these people next to me. I'm mad at her, and you want me to tell her hello. I don't want to tell her hello. Why are we here? What's the point? What's the purpose? And so that's what he's getting into. And so today I want you to know there is a purpose in religion. 
There is a purpose in religion. We're not saved by religion. In fact, the scripture says that the religion brings death. So I'm not saved by it, but there's a purpose in it. And sometimes there is a temptation that when I think, well, I'm saved by faith, that because I'm saved by faith, why do I need religion? Why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to read the Bible? Why, why, why do I need to do all this stuff? And what's the point in it? What's the purpose behind it? And, and I'll remind you that Jesus said when he came, he said, I have not come to abolish the law. Instead, he said, I have come that it might be fulfilled. And then he went on, he said, not one letter of the law will be abolished. Not one letter. So everything in the Old Testament is still true in the New Testament. Some of it has been transformed by the person of Jesus Christ, but everything is still true. Amen? Everything is still true. And so he, what he's saying is there, there, when, when Christ came, sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking, well, everything's different now. Everything's not different. A lot of stuff is different. The meaning of things are different. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. The, the scripture says that Jesus was with God in the beginning. And so Jesus has been there in the beginning. He came in the New Testament. But God is the same. He will always be the same forever and ever. Amen. Right? Amen. You can praise the Lord for that. Amen. <clears throat> so, so why are we here? Just to look at the ball guy in front. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. So that's what Paul's getting into. What, what is the purpose of our presence here today? Verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their way. In the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Whew. That sounds bad. Now we might be tempted to think, what are you talking about? I even know people that don't believe in God and they, and they do good things. But we have to understand that righteousness is compared to Jesus Christ. So if I ask you, do you have bad language? And most of us are going to say, no, I, I have good language. But if I ask you, do the things that come out of your mouth, are they equal to, are they the same, are they as righteous as everything that came out of the mouth of Jesus Christ? We may think, well, I'm, I'm a good person. I treat people good. And I would ask, do you treat them the same as Jesus Christ? When people are persecuting you, are you able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? You see, when he is writing this, he is writing this in, in contrast to the person of Jesus Christ because he's talking about righteousness. He's not talking about, are you good compared to the person next to you? He's not saying, are you a better Christian than Joe Christian over here? Are you better than that? Do you pray more than they do? Are you in church more? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about compared to Jesus Christ, everybody has sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. So then he says in verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under, law, under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Amen. There's a purpose to the law. The law can't change my heart. The Bible is a bestseller. Has been for a long time. People have been reading it forever. 
We all have at least one copy, two copies. Now in your phones, you got 30 copies in one app because there's an app for that. But just because I read it doesn't mean it changes me. Just because I know it doesn't mean that I become who God wants me to become. And so the law cannot change me. But what does the scripture say here? It says that the law makes me conscious of my sin. You see, one of the reasons that we come together is when we come together, it is for the purpose of getting into the word of God. When I get into the word of God, I become conscious of my sin. I become fully aware of where I am missing the mark. When, when I'm talking about this, the scripture we just read where it says everybody is evil and everybody talks bad and everybody does everything bad, we, we, we might be tempted to say, I, you know, I, not me. But he's talking about compared to Jesus. You see, what does the Bible say? Everything that comes out of your mouth should be good for building everybody up. Amen? How many of y'all passed that all week? Amen. Nobody lying on that one. It says that if you lust after a woman in your heart, then you'll be judged as an adulterer. You don't even have to say it. You just think it. And so whenever we get into the word, we, we are confronted. And, and otherwise, we might be like David. You remember King David, and, and he saw Bathsheba bathing. Bathsheba was not his wife. She belonged to another man, Uriah. And yet he wanted her, so he had her come to him. He was a king. Nobody could resist. And so she becomes with child. And, and now he's got to do something. So he brings her husband back from war, thinking that they will be together. The husband is faithful to his men who can't be with their family, so he refuses. David sends him back to the front lives to make sure he's killed and when Uriah her husband dies David calls Bathsheba and says you poor widow woman I'll save you can you believe that we've never done that we've never done that I mean hopefully we haven't murdered but one thing we have done is we have sinned and pretended that we didn't even in our mind, if we know that we did it, we didn't go and apologize. We didn't go make it right. We didn't go do what we were supposed to do. We didn't handle our sin correctly. Amen? And, and so, but whenever we come to church and, and you get some, some preacher up here yelling and screaming like I am, say, says, do not commit adultery, do not murder. What well, you knew it before you got here. There, there is rarely a time that I say anything up here that you don't know. Every now and then there might be signs, oh, hey, I learned something today. But most of the time, I'm just saying stuff that you know, trying to fortify in your spirit, but it is something you already know. But it's not until you come here and we get into the Word and you read the Bible and you think about it that you are confronted with your sin and think, you know, I need to do that better. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to go to my wife and tell her I'm sorry. I need to go to my husband and say, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I need to quit being so selfish. I need to quit being so greedy. I need to quit looking at women the way I do. I need to quit this. I need to stop that. And we're also confronted with righteousness. I need to get in the Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to commune with the fellowship of believers more. And we are confronted with that. And, and so the truth is, we need to be confronted with our sin. The Apostle Paul, he said, how, how can I repent from coveting unless I know I'm coveting? And how can I know that I'm coveting unless the Bible says, thou shalt not covet? You see, we are so good at pretending. We are so good at, at, at doing whatever we do and then getting away and then thinking, well, nobody knows, nobody cares, no, not a big deal. Or, or we justify it, say, well, I did it because of what they did. That's right, I did it because of what you did. 
you're the problem. But then we get in here and the Holy Spirit says, no, you are accountable for your own words, thoughts, actions, deeds. You can't blame it on anybody else. And I'm confronted, and I'm confronted in a place where I'm also reminded that God forgives and loves. Amen? That is one purpose of the law. Let's keep going. Romans 3, verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified. Everybody say justify. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Amen? We are justified through Christ. Everybody say justify. And, and it says that Christ was offered as an atonement sacrifice. Now, justification is, is a word that we use that means salvation is made possible for anyone who chooses to believe in Jesus Christ. So when it says that Jesus died for the sins of all the world, that's what it means. So that now we can have John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him. Amen? And so justification means that when Christ died, anybody and everybody who ever wants to make a decision to follow Christ can. Nobody's excluded. Nobody, no, nobody has committed a sin too bad. Nobody is, is too poor, too ugly, too this, too that. Anybody and everybody who claims and, and follows Christ will be saved. Amen? It don't matter what you've done. It says forgiveness. When he died on the cross, it was for every single sin ever. From Adam until the end of time, all sin has been covered for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't know about you, but I got a lot of junk that I'm glad got covered up by the blood of Jesus. Amen? And, and so this is something that we celebrate, and it's also something that we should not be quiet about. That means that anybody that you know that is walking around, so many people feel like guilt and shame, and Christ died that we might not have guilt and shame because when we put our faith in him, it's all covered up. It's all covered up. Amen? It says that he was an atonement sacrifice. Now, the word atonement, another word, is propitiation. Everybody say it, propitiation. Say it 12 times fast, propitiation. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of y'all still doing that. That's all right. Praise the Lord. You can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. <laughs> propitiation, it means to regain the favor of God by doing something that pleases him. 
Let me read that again. It means to regain the favor of God by doing something that pleases him. Propitiation. God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only son. That was an act of love. But the scripture says that because the son obeyed the father, and and in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, but thine be done. And because the son obeyed the father all the way to the cross, even unto death, it says that now God the Father has lifted up the Son to the highest place. You see, what happened is Jesus became the propitiation. Jesus became the atonement. He did something that pleased God to regain the favor of God for mankind. This is why Jesus had to come as a man, because man had to regain the favor. And none of us could do it. Nobody could do it because there was sin in our life. As long as there was sin, we couldn't have favor. But when Jesus came, he lived a life without sin so that when he then gave himself up for us, it pleased God that a man would choose to do that. You say, well, he was God. Of course, he was God living as a man dependent upon the Holy Spirit. says he was tempted by every temptation that you and I face. And so we can't sit here and say, well, he was God, so it was easy for him. No, it wasn't easy for him. He was tempted. When I'm hanging on a cross, there is nothing I can do. I'm nailed up there. You can't get me down. I can't get down. Nothing I can do. But Jesus hanging up there had the temptation of saying, send all the angels down. I'm getting off the cross. He had the power to do something. So the temptation was even greater than what I might have experienced. And so it wasn't because it was easy for him. It's because he chose to do it. That's why he sweat drops of blood. Because he understood how difficult it was going to be. And we can't trivialize and say, well, he was a son of God, so it was easy. He did it to please the Father. Amen? And because he pleased the Father as a man, then man regained favor with God. And so then God says, now again, I will make it possible. Now, this has been the plan from the very beginning when, when the sin was in the garden. And, and, and God said to, to Satan, he said, you, you will crush his heel, but he will crush your head. So it's been a plan all the way through. And that's what the apostle is talking about. But this is, this is, it's like Moses. You remember Moses? Everybody, you remember Moses? Anybody? There's a guy in the Old Testament. Let me just kind of real quick go through it. So, so God calls Moses, leads him out of the desert. Everybody parties. Woohoo! We're getting out. They get out. They come to the mountain of God. God says, bring everybody real close because I want to tell them a little secret. So they get all real close, and it says this big booming voice comes out of heaven. Now, what would you do if you heard a big booming voice all of a sudden come out of heaven? I would pull over because I'm about to wreck, Right? But not only that, the big booming voice was surrounded with thunder and lightning and awe. And God says, don't even touch the mountain or you will die. And, and while this was happening, the voice gives them what we know to be the Ten Commandments. Verbally says, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. And, and if you do, you shall surely die. And so they all said, yes, sir, you better believe it, we'll do it. And God says, okay, Moses, come on, we're going to write it down. So Moses goes up on the mountain, and what do they do down there? They do everything they just said they wouldn't do. They did this, they did that, they did this. Had a big party. Worshiping a cow. I'm from Hereford. I've been around cows. Trust me, they are not to be worshiped. Anything that you can knock them over when they're sleeping, (laughs) you shouldn't be worshiping that. And so what happens, and God tells Moses, you better go back down there because I'm going to kill them all. Y'all remember this? 
If you remember, they just shake your head. I'm going to get rid of them. I'm done with them. And Moses goes down there, and he talks to them, and, and he goes back to God. And here's what he said to God. Lord, if you can forgive them, good. But if you can't, blot out my name from your book. See, Moses hadn't sinned. Moses was up on the mountain. Moses was doing what he was supposed to do. He hadn't done anything against God. And so he wasn't held responsible for that. But what Moses said, even though he was innocent, God, if you can't forgive them, take my name out of your book because I don't want to be there unless they come with me. I don't want to be in heaven. I don't want to be in your promised land. I don't want to be where they cannot be, so take me out as well. And it pleased God that Moses would offer himself to save the people. And because it pleased God, God says, okay, Moses, come back up and we're going to try it again. I want you to see the mercy of God was restored because one man, one man said, if they can't go, I don't want to go either. Blot my name out of the book. Amen? And and, and so whenever we look at the New Testament, we see Jesus Christ, and here we have the Son of God, and, and the Son of God says, I will offer myself in the same way that Moses said, I will offer myself. And when he died on the cross, the Scripture says that the whole world was justified. Oh, the grace of God, that every single human being, no matter what they have done or what they have been or what's gone on in their life, the thoughts of them, any single person can be saved because one man, Jesus Christ, sat in the garden and said, not my will, but thine be done. Amen? It is by faith in him, in him alone. He is our atonement by the grace of God. The world has not changed its way since the Garden of Eden, but because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we have all been justified. Amen? So if I've been justified by Jesus, what's the point of the law? We've already talked a little bit. One point is for me to be conscious of my sin. But let me read this right here. And I'm in, I'm in uh, on verse 31. It says, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Now, the law, when we, when we understand the law of the Old Testament, it's talking about the Ten Commandments. It's talking about all the morality, but it's also talking about how you worship because they had laws on how to worship. If you were going to go and worship, you had to do it a certain way. If it was a sin offering, if it was a peace offering, if it was a trespass offering, whatever it was, you had to do everything a certain way. So the law included not only morality but also how you worshiped. In verse 25, it says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. This is so powerful. Christian faith is faith in his atonement for our sin. Are you with me? Now, what is atonement? That's when he said, like Moses did, I will die for them, and that pleased God. And so he became the atonement. So when we're talking about faith in God and faith and, and salvation and all that means, I ha- it means I have to have faith that what Jesus did on the cross, the atonement, was meant for me. I have to believe that. If I don't believe that, then I don't have salvation. It's that what he did on the cross, he did for me personally. Not for Aunt Joe, not for Grandma Betty, not not for these people that we think are so holy and righteous. It's for whosoever believes in him and anybody who puts their faith in it. And so if I trust that what he did on the cross was to cover my sins, then I am saved. 
by faith. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, what happened with Moses? I'm going to go back to that for a minute. I'm almost done. I got another, another hour. What was that? Take your time. Thank you. <clears throat> Miss Pastor Kerry, y'all pray for him. He's getting better, though. He's getting better. So when Moses led the people out and all this happened and, and, and he said, blot me out of the book. And so God said, well, come back up. Let's try it again. Remember, he gave him the Ten Commandments again. And then after that, he, he laid down a system of offerings and worship. So I want, I want you to kind of see the big picture here. The, God's big booming voice, do not sin against me. Do not have any other gods. Don't do this. Don't do this. They did it anyway. He said, I'm done with them. Moses said, blot my name out. He says, okay, I'll relent. I'm going to give them mercy. You have pleased me. And so that is atonement for their sin. Let's try it again. But this time when he gives the law, he also gives how to worship. He said, if you're going to worship me, you bring this offering and you bring that offering, you bring this offering. And, And so then the law becomes not just about morality, but it becomes about worship. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, is if we're saved by faith, what's the point of the law? But he's talking about not only morality, but worship and being in the presence of God. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and so once, once this was reestablished, then they started giving sacrifices. And they started offering. Remember, you had to bring a lamb that was without blemish. You had to bring it up. And if you had sinned, then you sacrificed the, the lamb for that. If you wanted to worship, it was a burnt offering. You took the lamb and you sacrificed it. And so you gave your very best lamb to the Lord in sacrifice. Are you all with me? Look in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him in front of the tent of meeting. He said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on behalf to make atonement for you. Everybody say atonement. And so this, this Leviticus, God, God says, okay, let's try it again. Here come the second Ten Commandments. And then he says, Here, here's the system of worship. And then he starts telling them, here's how you're going to build the temple. And then Moses gets it all finished, gets the temple all set up. And, and then he tells them, here's how you ordain the priest. And so they ordain the priest. And then the very first thing he says, come in, you're going to make a sacrifice for atonement. And, and then, then he says, the day of atonement is going to be year after year after year. It's the only day the high priest can go into the Holy of Holies. It is the day of atonement. It is a sacrifice for all the sins of the nation. Whether they ask for it or not, it is a justification sacrifice. It doesn't mean you've repented. It just means that when you want to, it's available. Are you with me? And so they made that atonement. Now look in Leviticus 9, way, way down, eight chapters later. It says, Moses said to Aaron, I'm in chapter 9, verse 7. Moses said to Aaron, come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering. Everybody say sin offering. And your burnt offering. Say burnt offering. And make atonement for yourself and the people. Now, why do they have to make atonement for themselves if there is a day of atonement where there is atonement made for all the sins of everybody? 
On the Day of Atonement, the, the, the sacrifice that was made, we know that as Jesus Christ. He was an atonement sacrifice. It, it was him saying, anybody who wants to trust in me, I forgive their sins. Anybody. You know, anybody. Just by faith. Amen? But then, just like here, even though they had that one atonement for the whole year, then they had to continually come back and make atonement sacrifices and atonement. Why do I have to make atonement if he made atonement for me? In the New Testament, Jesus is our atonement. But then the Bible says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Amen? There's several places in the New Testament where it says, do this for reconciliation. And, and the root word there is propitiation. Why do I have to make atonement if Jesus has already made atonement covering all the sins? This is the purpose in church. How did they make atonement for everybody? A burnt offering and a sin offering. The purpose of religion is to come together to meet with one another, to fellowship in the love of Christ, to be confronted by the scripture of our sin, that we can repent. At the same time, we offer a burnt offering, which was an offering of worship. So I have sinned against God, yet he still loves me. I have sinned against him, yet he still gives to me. I have sinned against him, but my relationship is not broken with him because I'm with him. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so when I offer my body as a living sacrifice, what I'm saying is I'm taking the atonement of Christ and I'm making it personal for me. Personal for me. How do I do that? I'm confronted by the scripture of my sin so I can repent. And I'll offer a burnt offering, which is worship. The Bible says to worship in spirit and truth. So that's obedience and that's worshiping in spirit like what we do here. You see, what we do here can't save you. But what we do here sets up a system where we can do what we need to do to take the blood of Christ and continually apply it to us. Not that I'm being saved over and over again, but so that I can do battle against my own sinful nature and win the battle. So that I can apply it over and over and over again. Amen? So I can stay right with the Lord. It wasn't say when I'm unfaithful, he is still faithful. And, and, and so he, he is teaching us that, that when in, in worship we receive by faith his atonement. We hear the word of God. We are confronted. We repent. We worship. We receive forgiveness. We are made right. We are made we are renewed again. We receive that everything is, is made right again through worship. You understand what I'm saying? Now, why you got to come to this place to do that? Well, you don't. The problem is when we don't, we get busy. And I believe there is a spirit straight from the pits of hell trying to keep us too busy. So busy we can't pay attention to our wife, our kids, much less our God. And we get arrogant. And we start judging other people. And we judge ourselves based on other people. Well, at least I'm better than they are. But when you come together and you get in the word of God, you're reminded, it's not who I am compared to them. It's who I am compared to him. Amen? This is faith. 
This is offering our bodies as a sacrifice. This is the purpose of church. And everything is restored. Everything is restored. Amen? Western Christianity has fallen into this trap. Well, as long as I believe, as long as I say in my heart, Jesus is Lord, then I'm okay. As as long as I put a a fish on the back of my car, as long as I wear the right T-shirt, as long as I say the right words, then I'm okay. But the thing is, we are saved by faith. But unless we have a, a habit of, of coming together and getting with the Lord to get us right so that we don't become arrogant, so that we don't get too busy, so that we don't get so lax in our morality, so that we spend time worshiping him. So we, you, know, you know why worship music is so popular now? Worship music everywhere. I remember when I was a kid, we had one band named Petra. That's all we had. You didn't like it, then you weren't a Christian. You had to like Petra. That's all we had. Now there's everywhere, music everywhere. But here's the thing about worship. Worship is always talking about how good God is and how much he loves us and how much we love him. And that's good. Amen? But the word of God is active. And it says it's good for cutting away the sin. There's not a whole lot of worship songs that get deep into the doctrine of sin and how we need to repent. Most of the worship songs are about God is good and I love him and he loves me and that's great, but that's only part of it. And so, again, that's why we got to come back to the word. We got to come back to the word. Paul is telling us here the purpose of religion is to create a system where we can apply the blood of Christ to ourselves over and over again. Renew everything, stay right, be filled with his spirit, and keep on walking. Amen. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all your grace and all your goodness. And Heavenly Father, we, we recognize that, that in our nation, and especially in Western civilization, church has become an afterthought. And Lord, maybe because for so long people were taught if they didn't go to church, they were going to hell. I don't, I don't know all the reasons. But what I do know is you have taught us to not give up meeting together. What you are teaching us that there is purpose. We are saved by faith. But Lord, we're called to be like you. And so help us to understand that we need to read the Bible. We need to go to church. We need to sing songs and praise. We need to sing spiritual songs and hymns. We need to sing to, to fortify our spirit. But we also need to be in the word or that our strength would, would be uh, in you and not in us. And that we would trust you and that we would learn. Lord, your, the apostle Paul said, I pray that you'd have power to grasp how high and wide and deep is the love of God. Lord, we need church for that. And Lord, I pray that you would help this church to never be anything that gets in the way of people knowing you or do not let us be a social club do not let us be a just a gathering of friends but let us be a gathering of believers seeking the most holy god through our lord and savior jesus christ increase our knowledge increase our anointing and when we leave this place each week let us go out into the mission field and do the work of christ lord we pray that you would continue to give us insight into your word Let us never receive 
human thoughts, but let us receive what comes from the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray a blessing over everybody in this room, or that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would provide for them, heal them, restore them, be with them in their relationships and their finances and their mental health. Lord, be with them in every possible way. Lord, the needs in this room are more than what I know, but you know every single thing, and you are the answer to all of it. And so, Lord, we pray that you would minister to them by your Holy Spirit as they need. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Everybody said together. Amen. Can we give the Lord a praise offering for his word? Amen. Hey, I just want to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.